Hello, this is Ron Clark from the Agape Church of Christ in Portland, Oregon, and you are listening to the God of Second Chances podcast. Hello, welcome back to the God of Second Chances. I'm Ron Clark from Portland, Oregon, and we're going to finish our story of Exodus, the book in the Hebrew Bible, commonly known as Shemot. Uh, these are the generations of people. We've seen them come out of Egypt and have a new relationship, have a new identity as a community, have a new uh, God, and now become a new community. And we'll be finishing in Exodus chapter 40. And so if you would turn to your Bibles, we're going to read the last few verses of Exodus 40 together this time. And we're going to talk about the God of second chances, searching for hope in ancient biblical stories. Hello. Welcome again to our podcast we're going to finish Exodus, as we've been saying, and looking forward to that. But I want to note something to you. We're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 40, the last few verses, beginning with verse 34, at the very end of this book. I know that some of you might be suggesting that we're not diving deep enough into the the uh, commands about the temple and looking at the temple and the tabernacle and, and you know the tent and all the construction that went on. I know others might find that that's a point where we get bogged down as we start reading every detail. The reason we're quickly overviewing it is because I want you to know first of all it wasn't that complicated. Remember these are individuals who've built Egyptian temples. When we read in the first chapter of Exodus, they built temples at Pithom and Ramesses. And these were elaborate temples. They did it on rationed uh, brick uh, material. They did it by the whip. Uh, they, <clears throat> they did it under slavery. So these are individuals that could build beautiful temples when you force them to. That's not what happens in the wilderness. What happens in the wilderness is first of all, God tells Moses, here's the instructions. You see that throughout the story. And they did it as, as the Lord commanded Moses. And they did it. And Moses did it as the Lord commanded him. There's this, you know, God told him what to do and he did it. And there's this idea that the people were obedient to God. They willingly did it. There was no force. There was no threats. There were no whips. They willingly developed this temple. They willingly made this temple. In fact, you find the phrase of, of individuals who are gifted or uh, skilled by the Spirit and they're able to do this craftsman work. These are people who did this in Egypt as part of their way of, of life. They were good at it. They were craftsmen. They were craftswomen. They were great at sewing and they did it out of fear. They did it by force. Here, they're allowed to do it for free. They're allowed to do it free will. And it's interesting to me that they have more than enough material, more than enough money, and the people do it very quickly. The people wanted to make this for God. They wanted to create this tent for God. I remember when I was younger and Lori and I were first married, we preached in a town, uh, Bonterre, Missouri. Bonterre, B-O-N-N-E, uh, T-E-R-R-E, Good Earth. It was outside of St. Louis. It was a kind of a rural, small town area, but 
<clears throat> back in the in the 90s or the late 80s, uh, they were putting in a new Mormon temple in St. Louis for the Latter Day Saints, and uh, we weren't able to go. We had a little one at home, a little baby, but I know that some of the elders and their wives went. And we talked about it afterwards. They told me how beautiful it was. They said that the craftsmanship, the detail was amazing. And it, it, it always you know, it struck me that, that Mormons and, and Jehovah Witnesses and many others who build buildings and use people whose skill is in that area do this beautiful, intricate design. And I don't think anyone, if you ask them, said, are you doing this because you're forced to? They would say, no, I'm doing it because I want to. I love God. It's my gift to God, and I'm going to do a great job of it. And I believe in in what in some of the many church buildings that we see and the structures that are done with beauty and integrity and with heart, uh, you have the same thing happening with the tabernacle. The tabernacle, this tent, and it's really only a tent. It's really nothing major compared to the temples that were out there for other gods. But here... They give their heart, they give their soul, they do this beautiful tent for God. And at the end, in Exodus chapter 40, verse 34, the cloud covered the tent of the meeting, and the glory of Yahweh filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon it, and the glory of the Yahweh filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it was lifted. So the cloud of the Yahweh was over the tabernacle by day, and fire in the cloud by night, and the sight of the, all the house of Israel during all their, their uh, travels. What's happening here? Uh, well, these people in, in, uh, live in a world where God has a building, uh, and that's where you go to meet God. Uh, they could not go on the mountain to meet God because God was up there, and they were down here, and they were unholy. Uh, they blow it. They sin against God. So what does God do? God has them build a temple, a, a tent, and goes and lives among them. God's glory is there in their midst. This is not a God who forbids them from coming close. This, you know, it, you know, at one point, yes, but by the end of the story, this is a God who says, "Look, the only way this is going to work is I'm just going to have to come down and live among you." And God does. And they build this beautiful tent from their heart, with their soul, with their skill. They get to do this for God. And it's this beautiful story at the end how they hand this gift to God and God lives there. God doesn't consume them with fire. God doesn't say, you made a mistake. God doesn't say, you know, you scratch this. God just comes down and accepts it. And there's this wonderful God living among people in the story. God was a God who deeply had passion for people because God wanted to live among them. And at the end of Exodus, this tabernacle is built. It's nothing fancy, but it's good enough for God. And God's good enough for the people. And that's a beautiful ending in this story. I'd like to read a quote from Terence Fritham in his book on Exodus. He said, God moves from mountain to tent. This God takes up residence with people, tabernacles with them, 
This God dwells uh, at the edges of Israel's life, but right at the center of things. This God is committed to the journey. This is a God who is with and for his people for the long haul, not just for the laser beam-like moments on mountaintops. It's a commitment to the intimacy rather than remoteness. In their own times, places, God will be with them always. I appreciate that quote. I wrote it at the end of, of Exodus on paper in the margins. You should have a Bible with margins so you can write notes there. But it does remind me so often of how the story ends. It's a reminder. God was on the mountain, but God's now among you. God has always wanted to dwell among people. In fact, the word Imanu, Emmanuel, in the Aramaic, the Hebrew, uh, means God with us. When we read about Jesus and the story of Christ, those of us who are Christians believe that Jesus is God among us. You know, people lived in a tent, so did God. People lived in a house, so did God. People are in human skin, so was God. And the whole purpose behind all that was to say, I'm with you, I'm among you. I care about you. I'm not going to live on the margins. I'm not going to drive you to the margins. I'm going to be in your midst. And that's how the story ends. God becomes the hero, not because of the power and the laser light shows and the, and the Red Sea, but God becomes the hero because this God lives among people. That's also what made Moses so special. Is he was a man who lived among the people. And he fought for them and he advocated for them. And he shows us that leaders are those who live among the people, who love the people, who try to help them. Not those who live on an ivory tower or those who live on a tall mountain and look down the hill at all of the, uh, the little people there. Leaders live among the people and love them and care for them. I want you to think about that as you've finished out the book of Exodus and we'll quickly move into the next uh, three books. Well, very quickly in, in six episodes cover those. But the heart of the story is that God not only offers second chances, but God wants to be among the people. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what's happened in your life. Maybe you're someone who... Uh, earlier, as we said, you've been in a pissing match with God and you've lost everything and you think that there is no hope. You know that God, who you've taken on, is powerful enough to love you. Remember chapter 34, the God who forgives. God who is patient. God who is slow to anger. You can reach out to that God and that God wants to be among you. That God wants to live within you. That God wants to be present in your life, no matter how you've treated him. God is a God who wants to be in your life. And if you take God on and lose, sometimes the best thing is to start over again. To be a part of a community that will walk with you and help you make amends to those you've hurt. It's a long journey and it seems impossible, but it is the best journey. Others of you may be listening and you felt abandoned by God. You felt like, you know, God didn't care. And yet you forget that God was grieving with you. People of Israel turned their back on God and Moses felt like, you know, God didn't even care. And yet God was the one who cared. It's the people who didn't. 
It's the people who may have abandoned you and the people who may have hurt you, but God has always been there with you. And maybe you need to allow yourself to be a little angry because God's angry as well and wants you to have justice. Maybe you're someone that you just are at a point where the past is too dark for you and thinking about you know your, your past and it gives you nightmares have you written a song of victory have you come have you told the story and the joy that comes from leaving that from the red sea closing your enemies behind you and being on a new in a new world have you had the chance to celebrate and to rejoice and I say, look what God has done in my life. I have new hope. I have a new life. Are you part of a community where you can say, I've moved forward. God's freed me. And I'm healed. And I look forward to the rest of my life. Maybe you're a leader in a faith community and you're like Moses. You're so angry. You're so frustrated with people. People have hurt you. People have hurt others. You feel that people have been hypocritical to God. Maybe you need to climb that mountain. Carve out a few more stones and sit down and look at the face of God and say, God, show me your glory. You know, God's a God of forgiveness, and we have to be as well. If we want to be any kind of leader, if we want to help people, we have to be a people of forgiveness. Sometimes we need to go with God and be alone and let God love us and heal us so that we might forgive. And we might not be so angry, but may be compassionate. And you can hold people accountable with compassion. But you can't always do that with violence. I don't know where you are, but I hope that you'll journey uh, through Exodus, Hashemayot, and that you will go with us as we move forward to look at the other books to see that God is a God of second chances and third and fourth and fifth. But God is a God who's peaceful and compassionate. Not an angry, violent God, like some have said, but one who has always been known as a God of mercy and grace. I'm Ron Clark with the Agape Church of Christ. Go in peace, love God, serve others, and remember the God of second chances.